One of the biggest names in Las Vegas philanthropy is Beverly Rogers. From buildings at UNLV to art centers downtown, her work in the community has a wide reach. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I sit down with Bev Rogers to chat about her dedication to Las Vegas, the Rogers Foundation's unique work in supporting the Valley students, and why she doesn't call herself a philanthropist. Also, we got the scoop on when the Beverly Theater will be opening. It's Monday, September 12th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Hi, Bev Rogers. Thanks for being on CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you very much, Vogue. I'm excited to be here. Uh, This red color that you've got in your hair is just giving me a lot of joy right now. (laughs) Oh, good, good. (laughs) It does me too. Thank you. (laughs) So yes, what brought your family to Las Vegas, Bev? Oh my gosh, that's a really left field question I didn't expect. My family came here in 1962, and that was for the reason that a lot of people came here in those days was because people couldn't get divorced in the state where they were. Oh, my mother was divorced. My stepfather to be could not get his divorce in Pennsylvania where we were. And he came out on Thanksgiving. And at the time you had to live here for six weeks. You lived in a motel. There would be someone who would see you every single day who after six weeks, you've established your less, your Nevada residency, that person would go to court with you and testify that you are now a resident and mm-hmm. the judge would say, bam, bam, you're divorced. So he came out on Thanksgiving at Christmas when we went on Christmas break, my mother being madly in love came out, and brought her kids with her and we were going to be here for the Christmas break and they got jobs and they put us in school and we never left. Wow. That's how we came here. (laughs) They ran away to Vegas for love. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And so I thought UNLV is your alma mater. What did you study? I studied history in the first go round. Mm -hmm. And then more recently in the 2000s, my husband said to me one day, hey, you read all the time. Why don't you go back to school and get a master's degree? So I signed up for literature and got a master's degree in literature. How do you think growing up in Las Vegas and going to school here too influenced the person you are today? That's interesting. The education and the school system was much smaller and much different when I went to high school. And when I was in the seventh grade when we moved here. And it was a much different town in terms of size, growth, and numbers of people who weren't moving here to get away from taxes necessarily, but <laughs> actually were invested in the community and it made a big difference. So it was, it was a little bit different. We weren't exposed like a lot of people would think to what you want to call sin city element or what somebody might call. And I think even today, you know, there, the people raise families here for good reason. It's a very family oriented community, but how, how it influenced me, I would have to say, I think my family, my parents influenced me more than just the fact that we were in Las Vegas. So it could have been the same influence anywhere. But what I saw here that Las Vegas gave my parents, I I took in. As as a young person, I remember 
understanding that my parents were people who had no means. They left everything they had. They left all material goods. They had no jobs. They had nothing. They came here to start over. And Las Vegas was a very welcoming and a place where they could make friends and they could get help and they could start over. There was opportunity and they were smart people. They knew how to see the opportunity and they knew how to seize those opportunities. Mm. And that's what I watched my parents do. And that's what I, I try to remember to this day to encourage others. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I agree. I think this is a, the city has a refining quality for people too. And so if you know what your goals are, you can definitely pursue them at full speed. Like if, yes. if you've got that vision, would you describe yourself as a philanthropist? Uh, I don't, but other people do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, what does that, what does it mean to you? As a, the, the philanthropist? Yeah. Well, it means a lot in that I am a uh, I have become on my own since my husband passed eight years ago, mm. a person who is a philanthropist. Uh, I sat down and figured out exactly what I wanted to do with my own investments, as well as with the foundations, what that part we did as a group. I've aligned my own personal investments. And when I say investments, I mean time as well as money to align with what the foundation does. So my own priority is education as well as the foundations. Yeah. So if not philanthropist, what would you describe yourself as? I describe myself as a book, as a bibliophile. I am a book collector. I am a book researcher. I am a book lover. He's like, I'm the book lady. I'm the book lady. I'm, I'm here for the books. That's right. <laughs> I know that then you said, you know, after your husband passed away, that that's the title a lot of people were giving you based on where money was being allocated. And I wondered, you know, as you were joining different boards of different nonprofit organizations in Las Vegas, what did you notice and what did you want to do differently? Um, I don't really belong to a lot of boards right now. I did when my husband was alive, but once we started the foundation, I mean, I am the ah. foundation. So that's, you know, we do a lot that's our own right through there. And then, so I'm obviously that, I'm the chairman. And then I'm on the board of CORE, which is a group that we support. It's a two-generational program that invests in the social and emotional learning of underserved student populations. And they work through tutoring, mentoring, community service programs, parent and basic needs, you know, parent support and basic needs support. And they do this primarily through their own program, but more so through the collaborations that they form with other nonprofit organizations, which leads me to what I will say is what I call the single most important secret to success, efficiency, and outcomes in a nonprofit organization is how much and how far you can lean in to collaborating. Okay. I think that's huh. really the most important thing I've learned okay. and like to stress to other people. Nevada and what we have here is a lot of duplication, triplication, and on. Quadruplication. Um, <laughs> of services. And what happens is for the sake uh, I'm going to say sometimes for people's ego, they would rather have their own thing and not collaborate. 
when what happens is you end up with more organizations doing the same thing where they could serve more people in a deeper fashion if they put their resources together. And they also are all going to the same philanthropists for money. So I can have five different people coming at me and they're all doing the same thing. And if they would all just talk to each other, they might learn a better way to do something. Mm, collective bargaining. <laughs> yeah, yes. And be able to really serve m- more population. But more importantly, um, I sort of coined this phrase called vertical philanthropy, because I believe that if you can do more things in a deeper fashion, you may not cover as many bodies, but if you can cover those bodies more deeply, then exponentially what you do will ultimately serve more people. Mm-hmm. I love that about core. Yes. That it's seventh grade through the end of high school or is it through college? Through college now or whatever, wherever they go. If they go into the service or if they go to a trade or technical school or if they leave mm-hmm. the state, whatever they do. Yeah, because the difference between you get a quick scholarship and scholarships are helpful, but the difference between that and long-term support over a long period of time, getting mentorship and see people who take the time to get to know you. So right. I love that concept. Right. Can you describe your organization, the Rogers Foundation as well? We support several programs and those programs are by and large those we initiate. And to put it another way, we own what we do. Mm-hmm. So we don't accept grant proposals and then send out checks to other people. So the programs that we support are programs that we operate or a collaboration. For the most part, there are a few others that we are involved in, but CORE would be one of them whereby we pay for a good portion of their administrative costs. Okay. And then the other really, really major thing that we do is give scholarships everywhere, anywhere from 5000 They're like $20,000 to $100,000 for a four-year program. That's tremendous. And it's exciting too to think about just... Anything that has long-term support, I'm... When they come back and talk to us, I start crying. I mean, <laughs> it's a, and we all do. It's just like we... And even when we go through the process, because we interview the kids, a lot of people just hand out scholarships. We actually right. interview them. And they come in and we spend... It's very, you know, like every 15 minutes for five days, so many a day. And it's, it's boom, 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 boom. And you go home exhausted and like, mm-hmm. why am I tired? I sat in a chair all day. Oh, I listen to these stories. It's unbelievable. And then we have to choose. <laughs> so, but it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing we do. Yeah. And, and we also, um, as another leg, we, mm-hmm. we, we collaborate with the Smith Center on the Heart of Education Awards, which are um, awards to teachers. And that's something that's largely for morale and is unbelievable to watch teachers walk down a red carpet, literally, and be entertained by real entertainment and just have a night devoted to them. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great thing. And we support Nevada State College. They have a couple of programs that where they use the funds that we give them. One of them, uh, they started with a program called Napantla, which is a bridge program from high uh-huh. school to college. Those kids are 100%, as are the core kids, by the way, 100% graduates, 100% graduate from college. They are much more comfortable with what they're doing. They, they are me- mentored when they go in and they become mentors when they come out, which is the most important thing, I think. If I were to talk about anything else that has to do with philanthropy and education, I would talk about mentorship being 
an extremely important facet. Do you ever feel uncomfortable wielding all of the power that is money? That's a good question. I'm not, I've never felt uncomfortable, if anything. (laughs) This may sound odd. I have felt inadequate. I feel personally inadequate a lot of the time, which is kind of a deep, dark (laughs) secret. (laughs) I don't feel like you can ever do enough. (laughs) Mm. And that's probably the best way I can put it. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I think that sometimes when I have an opportunity like this to talk to someone who um, is interested in philanthropy in general and philanthropy in Las Vegas and particularly, uh, you know, our community and ways of doing things and the way things are done, that I may end up having more of an impact than just handing someone a check. I have had opportunities a couple of times to speak to other philanthropic groups about how I plan. And my feeling is, you know, you have a certain amount of money and you cannot give to everything because then you're going to be giving to everything. If we were on TV, my fingers are an inch apart. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're going to be giving to everything an inch deep, or you can focus on an on areas that you feel strongly about, where you think you can make a difference. And I like to talk about those things because I think if more people did that, then everyone would do better. Uh, And not to say, yeah, my way's better, but in some ways I think it is. But I think it is my way's better when you have the amount of money I have. When you have the kind of money, just pick up Bill Gates for a name, has, (laughs) then he can have a different kind of plan. So I I think sometimes I have more impact by talking about it. And then I say that, but at the same time, I will say that when you see the difference in the lives of the students who have received our scholarships after they've gone through school, um, that brings tears to my eyes because that's where you really see what you've done because you're able to see what they are then going to do. So how the difference you make isn't just with one person. It's what that person will do and what that person's family will do. And because she, I'll just say a she, for example, who's received a scholarship is going to influence her friends and her her cousins and her her parents um, and other students and just by what she does. And then most of these people that, that we are working with have this wanting to give back mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think some of that stems from gratitude for sure. Yes. How do you deal with people who criticize your decisions? I've never had anyone criticize a decision to my face. I was going to say, so, <laughs> people with the guts to say it to your face. So, nobody, nobody's going to say to my face, you didn't give me enough, or, <laughs> or you should give to me instead of them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question, but I, I can't really answer it. Right. <laughs> so, I don't that's okay. Know. Folks don't got the guts. That's all right. <laughs> uh, so I read that you used to read to people who were blind, and that was like your your primary way of giving back. And then things shifted as life continued. Do you ever yearn for those simpler days? No, not really. No. I consider myself very lucky to be able to do what I do. And um, 
there isn't one day that goes by that I don't call myself a very lucky human being who has the, the wherewithal to help. And yeah, that was fun. I love our blind center out here too. It's pretty amazing. Do you? You're familiar with it? I'm so glad because it's, my, it's one of my pet. In fact, I'll tell you a story. I worked at Channel 3. The way I met my husband was he owned Channel 3. I worked there. I worked there for over a year before I ever had much of a conversation with him. And one day he asked me out. Okay, I married the boss. That's, that's how that happened. <laughs> so, um, okay. But I had been involved with the Blind Center with different people and before its current iteration. And that's when, when I had been reading like magazines and that sort of thing for the blind and books on tape before books on tape even were a thing. Because the Blind Center was right there, I, I had gone over to meet the current executive director and had talked to her about, you know, some things. And, but with my husband, then I said, oh, they're going to have this fundraiser. And do you even know those people? You know, they're our neighbors. They're right behind us. And no. So, we, you know, we, I had them come over and meet him. And I was thinking, you know, maybe we could give them something for their fundraiser. Maybe we could give them a piece of art or something. My husband, who collected cars, said, let's just give them a car. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So anyway, so I continue to um, to be involved with them on some level at all times. I love them. I guess maybe it comes from reading, but also because I, I had a grandmother who had macular degeneration and uh-huh. then my mother had it and one of my aunts has it. It's a very scary thing to watch yeah. what happens to somebody with that. For sure. Um, and so I always wanted to do something to help. Yeah. And then how do you feel like you're changing the culture or the view of culture in Las Vegas? I don't know that I'm changing it. I think I'm delivering it to a a cadre of people who have been looking for it. (laughs) Okay. Whether through BMI or through the independent film that we're going to be bringing in films Mm -hmm. to the theater or those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some other projects that you have in the works I always have book projects in the works, but those are not foundation projects. Those are my personal projects. You you got to tell me. Yeah, I get. Well, I always have a project. I always have a projects in the works in terms of I give talks at the library usually about once a year. Take books in. Right now, there's an exhibit in there of books by 19th century women that you never heard of, and it's really Mm -hmm. fascinating because most of the authors are more interesting than the books they wrote. But um, anyway, <laughs> and this is the library at UNLV, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And then, as far as philanthropic projects, we always have some things on the burner. So, which I'm, uh, which are my secret right now. I do have some journalistic project that I'm working on. I'm, I'm particularly in today's times. I'm a serious supporter of good journalism. Mm. So, I'm a big supporter of Nevada Current and Nevada Independent. And behind, I'm the support behind a, an international online literary newspaper that should come out by November, which will be a big deal. It's called The Dial, and it will be a big, a big thing. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Ooh, exciting things are coming. So yes. you mentioned independent films uh, that you're bringing to the Valley. So when is the Beverly opening? will be opening officially at the end of January. We haven't put out a, a statement yet, but I'll just say right now it's at the end of January. So yeah. That's my scoop. We got a yeah. scoop. <laughs> it's a scoop. Yeah. Well, Beverly Rogers, thank you so much for joining me today on CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a big pleasure. 
And now it's time for a little news. What's going on, Sonia? Well, the updated COVID-19 booster vaccines are rolling out across Nevada. So these are bivalent vaccines, which means they work against two antigens. In this case, it's the two most common variants, Omicron BA4 and BA5. Anyone who's had both doses of the COVID-19 vaccine over two months ago is eligible. You can find this booster at the Southern Nevada Health District Clinics. Meanwhile, the family of Slain Review Journal reporter Jeff Gehrman is working with Three Square Food Bank to accept donations in his name. You can choose from six different giving options like groceries for families or emergency meals or healthy food for seniors. Go check it out at threesquare.org. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Who's another Las Vegan you'd like to know more about? Tell us in a voicemail at 702-514-0719. Don't forget to share the show with a friend. Give us some stars. Leave us a review and subscribe to the morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Hello, microphone. Hello, Vogue. <clears throat>